This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. You're listening to a section of the LibriVox NaNoWriMo project, in which a number of LibriVox volunteers write and record a whole novel together in serial form during November 2006. The project is based on the idea started by the National Novel Writing Month. Chapter 20 Written by Zachary Brewstergeis Recorded by Zachary Brewstergeis The driver turned onto West 34th Street. "'Why are you turning?' asked Trevor. "'Is faster!' shouted the taxi driver. "'Is very, very good, you see.' "'NYU Linguistics is on Broadway,' said Trevor. We don't need to turn here. He is good, he is good. Trevor swallowed. Not only does this guy know my name, he thought, but now he has a foreign accent all of a sudden. All right, he said. Let me out here. No, no, we go to NYU, the taxi driver laughed. Customer always right. The customer says we stop, Trevor banged on the safety glass. Now! The driver didn't answer as he sped through a yellow light and turned onto the Long Island Expressway. Trevor didn't know much about New York, but he was reasonably sure that a Manhattan University would not be found on Long Island. All right, he thought, assess the situation. The professor's been kidnapped. This taxi driver is most likely kidnapping me. No way out unless I open the door and tumble onto the highway. How can I distract him? Inspiration struck. The sloth! If I can just get him to look around. On a whim, Trevor called out, Where's your up? The driver turned around. That face! Trevor was momentarily stunned by the resemblance to... He was in a room. There was a bare bulb in the ceiling, a door on the far wall. He was sitting in a chair. There was a glass of water on a small table near him. Trevor blinked. What the hell just happened? He was weak as though waking from a long nap. He was in no shape to even reach out for the water, let alone explore his surroundings. Best to just wait and get his bearings. He didn't have to wait long. The door opened, and though the light blinded him momentarily, he could tell from the silhouette that it was the taxi driver. "'Are you all right?' he asked, in perfect English. "'How did I get here?' Trevor croaked. The driver chuckled. You think you're the only one who's discovered the sloth. He remained at the door, careful to keep his distance. That and some chloroform administered while you were entranced. I admit if I hadn't surprised you, you might have gotten me first. We know you're quite skilled. But really, Trevor, would it be a good idea to hypnotize someone who's driving down a New York expressway at eighty miles per hour? Surprise, Trevor murmured. Yes, the driver continued. Surprise. You surprised me, too, of course. Where's your up, indeed? But I knew who you were, Trevor, and you didn't know who I was. He stepped forward into the light, revealing his face, the face which had started this whole ridiculous adventure with nothing but a bequest. Trevor's mouth dropped open. Grayson? Gerhard Grayson nodded. You should call me Gray. He smiled. Grayson's not my real name, anyhow, or perhaps I should say it's one of my many real names. 
"'What have you done with Professor Prezak?' Gray laughed, a booming, deep-throated laugh that seemed incongruous in his thin frame. "'He's fine. Really, Trevor, you should be worried about someone else.' An ache in Trevor's stomach. Fear? What do you mean? Huh. Gray held out his right hand and gestured to the door with the other. Let's take a walk. Who was the mole? Top paced her cathedral vaulted cell. Who could it be? Who could have let Tracy out? The uppers, middles, and lowers didn't know who Top was. Internal security. But Top made damn sure she knew all of them. The lowers and middles didn't have the access. They could be eliminated. And wouldn't it have been wonderful to eliminate Fulvia if she had the excuse, that crazy loose cannon? But no, concentrate on the task at hand. So it had to be an upper, but who? She grimaced. Of all days, Red was in her hands. True, technically, she was Red's captive, but that was a minor detail. A few well-placed blows, or even a strangling if Top was feeling whimsical, and the order would be finished, but now... She couldn't destroy Global's rival only to face a challenge from within. She had only remained in power this long by keeping her friends close and her enemies closer. There was one solution only. Escape. Trevor and Gray walked down a long white corridor, fluorescent light streaming from the high ceiling. Bach's The Well-Tempered Clavier, played on a harpsichord by the sound of it, floated in from below, oddly. They passed several doors on the left side, none on the right. "'Where are we?' Trevor demanded. Gray sighed. "'Southern Connecticut, I think,' he said. "'It's really quite boring, actually.' Trevor shook his head. "'I mean, what is this place, this complex, or—' "'Oh, that,' Gray said. "'I'm not about to give the game away, Trevor. You know too much already.' "'I don't know a thing,' muttered Trevor. "'Well, true,' Gray admitted. "'A great man once said there are known knowns, things we know that we know. There are known unknowns, things we know we don't know. There are unknown unknowns, things we don't know that we don't know.' "'Great man!' scoffed Trevor. "'That was—' "'He forgot one thing,' interrupted Gray. There are also unknown knowns, things we don't know that we know. He stopped Trevor and stared intently at him. You know more than you think, Trevor. The hallway had changed from an antiseptic white modernity to a cave-like stone. No, not a cave. A fort. Trevor looked around momentarily disoriented. There was the hallway several yards behind them, he had completely missed the transition. They were standing next to an enormous steel door. "'For instance, Trevor,' Gray said, his voice dropping to a whisper barely louder than the Bach that somehow still surrounded them. "'You know that you are now in Connecticut, or at least somewhere near New York. Because if I had taken you anywhere farther, you would be a lot hungrier. You know that Hazel Brown was Rebecca Sharp.' Trevor's breath caught, and he coughed. Gray looked down and continued, "'And let me say that I miss her, too.' He looked back up. "'And most importantly, you know your sister.' Trevor stared at him and rushed forward. 
"'What have you done with Tracy?' he shouted. Gray smiled. "'I pray you, take your hands from my throat,' he recited as he sucker-punched Trevor in the stomach. Trevor reeled backwards, gasping. "'Sorry about that. Control yourself, Trevor. Tracy is fine. Both of her.' He stood in front of the door, arms folded. Trevor gaped at him. "'Both?' Gray nodded. "'We had her in a cathedral in Rome. The order just loves old buildings, alas. The best we could come up with here in the colonies was a retrofitted fort left over from the American War for Independence. But, in any case, as I said, we had her in a cathedral in Rome, or thought we did. That is, until our mole in Global, a sadly low-ranking security officer, was assigned to her case, and discovered that Global had her. So if they had your sister, then who did we have? We don't know. In fact, for all we know, Global's Tracy may be the impostor. In any case, we secured the second Tracy from Global's clutches. Believe me when I say she's better off with us. You met Fulvia, did you not? And now the second Tracy is also on her way to Rome, just as you shall be. Trevor's shoulders sagged. World con again? Gray frowned, offended. What's the matter? We may be a strange, inexplicably unknown organization using and abusing your family, friends, and colleagues for our own nefarious ends, but at least we know how to run a profitable airline. He grabbed the steel door's handle and twisted it clockwise. With a loud clank it unlatched, and Gray pulled it open to reveal a clear, grassy field. In this case, however, he shouted over a high-pitched whine, I recommend a private jet. He escorted Trevor out the door and around a corner. They were next to an airstrip, where a DC-10 in Worldcon livery stood, a staircase leading to its cockpit. Dazed, Trevor didn't argue as Gray hustled him up the stairs. They walked into the main cabin, which was decked out like a plush living room, complete with entertainment center, mini-bar, and what looked like a Mac so advanced even Apple didn't have it yet. Gray gestured to a set of standard first-class airline seats in the rear of the cabin. "'We'll need to sit there for takeoff,' he said, "'but afterward we can feel free to roam about the cabin.' "'Is there net access on that thing?' asked Trevor, gesturing at the computer. "'Of course.' said Gray. Planning to catch up on your listening? Trevor shot him a look. They sat down. Gray pointedly buckled his seatbelt. After a moment, Trevor did so also. The jet began to accelerate down the runway, pressing them back in their seats. So what do you want from me? Trevor asked. Obviously I'm coming with you, otherwise you'll kill Tracy. But what do you want from me? Gray looked askance at him. We would never kill Tracy. We need you to figure out which Tracy is which. He smiled at Trevor's open-mouthed stare. Yes, you see, we know that the false Tracy is someone high up in Global's hierarchy. We don't know how high. But we do know that she should have the knowledge we need to take down Global's systems once and for all. Find your sister, we let her go. Find your sister's impostor's secret, we let you go. Or, if you prefer, you help us eliminate Global. Trevor nodded. Which is what Hazel, Rebecca, asked me to do. For the first time there was something like kindness in Gray's eyes. 
If you won't do it for us, consider doing it for her. The jet soared past Long Island and over the blue Atlantic. End of chapter 20 Recorded on the 21st of November, 2006